Wow, praise the Lord. Welcome everybody once again, those on Facebook and YouTube, thank you for joining with us. Um, we're going to take a little break. We just started our series in uh, the life of uh, Joseph, modern day Joseph's, but as my wife mentioned, I finished a book of Revelation and daily devotions, and I was just so inspired and moved to, to bring just a, a couple of those messages for the next few weeks that I believe are pertinent messages for the hour in which we live in. And uh, I, I thought it would be just something that we need to hear, and I really feel directed to do that. And uh, I, I, I hope you uh, will all agree with me, especially after you hear the first message. This morning, we're going to look at Revelation chapter 18. So if you brought your Bibles, we're going to look at the first 18 verses. Revelation chapter 18. Next week, Lord willing, will be chapter 19, and Lord willing, after that, will be in chapter 20. Just three, three chapters we want to look at, but we want to begin in chapter 18. Again, this is as a result of my series, I just felt we needed to, to hear this, and I needed to share this with all of you. And after... These things I saw another angel come down from heaven having great power. And the earth was lightened with his glory. And he cried mightily with a strong voice saying, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen, and has become the habitation of devils and the hold of every foul spirit and a cage of every unclean and hateful bird. For all nations have drunk of the wine and of the wrath of her fornication. And the kings of the earth have committed fornication with her. And the merchants of the earth are waxed rich through the abundance of her delicacies. And I heard another voice from heaven come, saying, Come out of her, and my people, that ye be not partakers of her sins, and that ye receive not of her plagues. For her sins have reached unto heaven, and God hath remembered her iniquities. Reward her even as she rewarded you, and double unto her double according to her works. In the cup which she hath filled, filled to her double. How much she hath glorified herself, and lived deliciously. So much torment and sorrow give her. For she saith in her heart, I sit as a queen, and I am no widow and shall see no sorrow. Therefore shall her plagues come in one day, death and mourning and famine, and she shall be utterly burned with fire, for strong is the Lord who judgeth her. And the kings of the earth who have committed fornication and live deliciously with her shall bewail her and lament for her when they shall see the smoke of her burning standing afar off with the fear of her torment, saying, Alas, alas, the great city Babylon, that mighty city, for in one hour is thy judgment come. And the merchants of the earth shall weep and mourn over her, for no man buyeth their merchandise anymore. The merchandise of gold and silver and precious stones and of pearls and of fine linen and purple and silk and scarlet, all the time wood and the manner of vessels of ivory and all manner of vessels of most precious wood and of brass and iron and marble. 
and cinnamon and odors and ointments and frankincense and wine and oil and fine flour and wheat and beasts and sheep and horses and chariots and slaves and, sol and the souls of men the fruits of the souls lusted after the departed from thee and all things which dainty and goodly and departed from thee and thou shalt find them no more at all and the merchants of these which were made rich by her shall stand afar off for the fear of her torment weeping and wailing and saying alas alas that great city that was clothed in fine linen and purple and scarlet and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls. For in one hour, please underscore that, so great riches has come to naught. For every shipmaster and all the company and ships and sailors and as many as trade by the sea stood afar off and cried when they saw the smoke of her burning, saying, what city is like unto this great city? Wow. What an incredible portion of scripture. For the next few Sundays, Lord willing, we're going to look at, I believe, something so specific that pertains to the day in which we live in right now as we speak like never before. I've been preaching from the book of Revelation, Bible prophecy, since my ministry began over 30 years. And I can tell you I have never seen the things I've seen in my lifetime as of right now. I believe Bible prophecy is being unfolded before our eyes. And I would say almost day by day we hear and see things that are absolutely unconscionable. But when you look at the scriptures, we see parallels. And in light of that, I've decided to share some scriptures with you in this little mini-series. And so, as we begin this morning, I've entitled the message, Does Anybody Know What Time It Is? I talked about discernment in the communion service. Does anybody have the discernment to know the time in which we live in? There's something I need to ask you as we begin. A very very important question as we look into the backdrop chapter 17 we see the rise of a system called mystery Babylon where there is a mixing of a political and religious organization led by the Antichrist mystery Babylon the great the mother of harlots and abominations of the earth we see a system that will rise in chapter 17 that has a combination of politics and religious or spiritual truth whenever you see an organization trying to mix politics and the spirit stay away from it it doesn't match it doesn't mix and we see in chapter 17 that the Antichrist will have the power and the ability to persuade men He'll be an incredible individual possessed by Satan himself and he will draw the spirit realm and the political realm together as we head to a one world government and a one world organization led by the Antichrist. And we see this today. We know that the Pope today is trying to amalgamate certain religions into one called Chrislam and he's actually signed with these other leaders 
this religion that is about to surface in a great way. I just understand that they're going to Mount Sinai, yes, Mount Sinai, where Moses received the Ten Commandments, and they're going to make an agreement with these other religious leaders of the world. And also, they're about to make a new Ten Commandments that is relevant for today. Another Ten Commandments. We see this happening right now as we speak. And so the Antichrist will rise and bring the political world and the spiritual world together. But here in our text in chapter 18, we see another element, the economic world, the material world, the financial world. So the Antichrist will lead the political world, the spiritual world, and now we're going to see the financial world the economic world being governed by the Antichrist, led by the Antichrist. And that's how we know that he's going to issue the mark of the beast, 666, that there'll be nobody who'll have the ability to be able to buy or sell anything unless you have this mark of the beast. And so the Antichrist will dominate all the affairs of life. The Antichrist will come up on the scene and he'll say, I've got the answer to man's problems. So I've got the answer to your political problems, I'm the one. I've got an answer to your spiritual problems, I'm also the one. The Bible is very clear that the Antichrist will be a wolf in sheep clothing. He'll be very religious. Oh, extremely. He'll know theology better than you and I. I've got the answer. And I got the answer to the financial problems of the world as well. And he'll come across as the Messiah. And people will believe his lies. They'll be flocking to him. He'll be a charismatic individual. And he will control the world. But this will not be an ordinary human being. He will be possessed by Satan himself and do great wonders and miracles through the power of the devil. And in this chapter, we're going to see the collapse of this economic system on earth that will swallow people, sucking them up into a vortex of deceit and confusion and discord. We notice in verses 1 to 3 of Revelation 18, notice it says here, and he cried mightily with a strong voice saying, Babylon, the greatest fallen, is fallen and has become a habitation of devils. We come to see Babylon once again. We talked about Babylon in chapter 17. Now Babylon again. Is this this a literal city? No. Although Babylon was indeed a literal city. And we'll talk about that in a few moments. But what we're talking about here is a system. A mindset. A way of thinking. Babylon has fallen Babylon has fallen. Now, now we see this all around us, and it's interesting because years ago in the LA Times there was an article that said that the Tower of Babel, the Tower of Babel will be built again in Mesopotamia, which is the Middle East. It said that Iraq, old Babylon, Iraq is going to rebuild the Tower of Babel, and it will be about 300 
feet high. Saddam Hussein, when he was alive, who was the king of Iraq, thought he was the reincarnation of Nebuchadnezzar, and he wanted to rebuild this tower. Wanted to rebuild Babylon of old into a new Babylon. But we all know that he failed. You see, my friends, although he wanted to build Babylon, the Bible gives us a clear understanding that Iraq or Babylon will never be built again, never rise again. Babylon, the city, will never rise again. And when the Antichrist comes, he will function to see it happen. It won't happen, but he will function through three major cities that are extremely important. And we see these cities mentioned over and over again in the Bible. Especially Babylon and Jerusalem. He will reign over Rome, which speaks of the political power, the Romans and their might and their power and their strength, the political power of Rome. Jerusalem, he will reign from Jerusalem, and that of course speaks of the religious power and the religious significance, but he will also reign from Babylon. And Babylon speaks of its financial power and financial strength. How do we know that? Well, in Daniel chapter 2, when Nebuchadnezzar had a dream of the statue, the statue had a head of gold and feet, ten toes, and Daniel gives the interpretation, and he turned to Nebuchadnezzar, and he said, Nebuchadnezzar, you are the head of gold. And that is true. There was so much gold during that time that Babylon was known, had an emblem of gold that was known of its riches and of its splendor and of its majesty. Babylon speaks of wealth and power and financial strength. Babylon is mentioned more than any other city except Jerusalem. It's mentioned over 290 times. In fact, it was Babylon that captured Judah in 586 and brought Judah into captivity for 70 years prophesied by Jeremiah the prophet in Jeremiah 25:11. Babylon is extremely significant throughout the Bible and a lot will take place in Babylon. Babylon has always been mentioned and in Psalm 137 I want to read something, Psalm 137, when Israel, or Judah rather, went into captivity, I want you to notice what it says regarding that time, it says here, by the rivers of Babylon, there we sat, yea, we wept when we remembered Zion, we hanged up our harps upon the willow trees in the midst thereof, for they are carried us away in captivity, they remembered, they were captive, and they were depressed and discouraged, Babylonians have come and captured. Babylon has always been a powerhouse, a wealthy powerhouse. But here in our text, we're going to see something about Babylon. Babylon in our text is a mindset that functions outside of God. It's a mindset, it's a culture that operates outside of God, has no regard for God. This was the whole point of the Tower of Babel. Why did they erect the Tower of Babel? It was in the, Mes in the Babylonian area, in Iraq. Why? Because they defied God. We don't need you, God. We're going to build our own towers. We're going to build our... Man, we've got the power. We don't need God. And all of this came 
In that area, in the Garden of Eden, through Satan, when he told Adam and Eve, you don't need God, you can become your own God. And that mindset has continued through all the centuries. The Tower of Babel represents man, the sovereignty of man, the power of man. And that's why God had to confuse the language and disperse them. The Garden of Eden, it all began there. And so this in a sense is the epitome and arrogance of Babylon. We call it today secular humanism. That's what we call it today. Where man defies uh, anything with God. Where man deifies man. Where man has become, become sovereign. Where man sits on the throne. It's all about man and his ability. His strength. His power. We don't need God. We are gods. We can figure things out. If we just get the right politicians, we'll be just fine. If we get the right laws, we'll be fine because the power is within man. We can do it. We can build our own tower. We don't need God. And so I need to ask a question this morning to Mr. Man, oh sovereign man, wherever you are, how well are you doing? I got to ask you, Mr. Man, Mr. Sovereign Man who deifies himself, how well are you doing? Uh, I don't think you're doing very well, are you? Abortion rising, crime rising, drugs rising, debauchery rising, and the list goes on and on and on. We don't need God. This system elevates me, myself, and I. This system elevates self. And this is the sad truth about this philosophy and mindset. It has entered into the church. Who are the most popular preachers today? People who preach on the blood? The death? No. People who preach on holiness? No. The most popular preachers today are new age Christian ministries who elevate man, who tell you, you can do it because you got the power within you. People like Sarah Jakes, yeah, I'm going to call people out today, who say you got to just tap into your divinity. You got it. People like Fertek, that's right, who says, God doesn't have to change you. He's just waiting for you because you've got it in you all the time. You don't, just let it come out. It's all in you. You've got it. And lifting up man as a God, a little God. This little God theology has been throughout the teaching of the prosperity teachers like Kenneth Copeland, J.C. Duplenny. Jesse Duplantis looked around, he's preaching, he turned around, he said, you want to see who Jesus is? He looked to the camera and he turns around, he makes a little parrot, he says, right here, God is in me, here it is. Taking everything out of context. The little God theology that Benny Hinn preaches. I told you, listen, I'm not here to make friends, okay? I'm going to tell you the way it is. This is the truth, what I'm telling you. Be careful. But these are the popular people because it's a gospel that appeals to the flesh. A flesh man-made gospel that appeases the flesh 
Everything Jesus preached was against the flesh. That's why they left him. If Jesus preached today, maybe he'd have a church of 50 people. The gospel today that's popular is a man-centered, me, myself, and I, new age gospel. A synthetic gospel. Friends, please listen to me. I'm telling you the way it is. Rah, rah, rah. Motivational speakers with three-piece suits that might use the name of Jesus every so often just so it can sound like it's a church. Wolves in sheep clothing, they speak smooth things, Isaiah said. Be careful. They speak things that appeal to man. That's what the Antichrist is going to do. He's going to get a great following. A great following. And they're going to flock to him. But they're going to realize like Nebuchadnezzar when he, God humbled them and caused them to be like an animal. Wandered the fields as God broke him. Where Daniel said, even the breath you have, sir, comes from God. Babylon is where it all began. In Genesis chapter 10, Nimrod founded Babel or Babylon. It means the gates of glory. Babylon always sought for glory. Babylon is always self-centered, man-centered. That's what the Tower of Babel was all about, the gates of glory. Chapter 11, now watch this now. We see that this tower was built. God had to disperse the tower because of the arrogance of man, disperse the languages, disperse people. And later, watch this now, later Nimrod's wife by the name of Samaras, Samaras was the wife of Nimrod. Now watch this. This is very important to this message. And she founded a new religion. She founded a new religion that was plagued and filled with female deities. <laughs> female de- Jezebel and all these Aphrodite, the Greeks and Venice, all these female deities started with Nimrod's wife. She was the first high priest of this this religion that she brought about, this new religion, female deities, and eventually they had a child, and his name was Tammuz, we'll talk about that in a moment, but these, this new religion was adopted by the Egyptians, and the female deity of Isis came about through this false teaching. The Greeks later adopted the what? The goddess Aphrodite, female deity, where they worship temple prostitution was part of the worship as they worship the female deity of fertility and sexual depravity. It all started through this teaching that came about through Nimrod's wife that eventually the world embraced. All the false gods that Israel had to deal with had some form of female deity that they were dealing with. The gods of fertility. And so Samros, Nimrod's wife, became, as I mentioned, the first high priest. They worshipped idols, idolatry. And they had a son, Tammuz, and he became older One historical account tells us that 
he was killed by a wild boar. But this account tells us that Tammuz had a resurrection of sorts. And people were so amazed that Tammuz was resurrected from the dead. It sounds familiar, doesn't it? Resurrected from the dead, they began to worship him. And another form of this religion evolved to another area. So they had female deities. Now they began to worship their son as some kind of God because he rose from the dead. You might say, Pastor, really? Oh, absolutely. And you know something tragic, my brothers and sisters? It's right here in the Bible. Most of us don't even know it's in the Bible. When you turn to Ezekiel chapter 8, watch this now. Verse 13 and 14. There's a mention of Tammuz right here. Look what it says. Ezekiel, he's calling these wicked abominations out. You can read from verse number 9. The Lord seeth, verse 12, the Lord has forsaken the earth. He said also unto me, verse 13, turn ye they again, and thou shalt see greater abominations that my people do. Then he brought me to the door of the gate of the Lord's house, which was towards the north, and behold, there sat a woman weeping for Tammuz. Tammuz, the son of Nimrod. And Israel began to adopt this idol worship. And it even entered into the temple of God. These idolatries and these female deities began to, they embraced this teaching. The Jews, the Hebrews, they dealt with idolatry over and over again. And this was another form of idolatry that they adopted in their rebellion against God. When the Israelites worshipped the calf, when Moses came down from Mount Sinai, what do you think? That, that came from the Egyptian gods. The Israelites adopted all the gods of the nations that surrounded them. Ezekiel 8 speaks to us of this Tammuz that they worshipped, and they worshipped the God of fertility through him as well. And so we see an onslaught of depravity. Now watch this. Tammuz's supposed resurrection, watch this now, this is incredible, was celebrated and worshipped, and it was, watch this, celebrated with, are you ready for this one now? With eggs. With eggs as a sign of fertility. Eggs! Now, do we have to stretch our imagination and our minds to see where this comes from? Later, the Romans adopted this worship of fertility. The goddess of Venus. And they would use eggs as part of their worship. When King Constantine became king in 300 AD, and he proclaimed that everyone is a Christian, but you didn't need to be converted, just by name. So there would be peace in the empire. He said, it's okay if you're pagans. It's okay, you can practice your religion. It's okay as long as you understand that you're under the umbrella of Christianity. You can do whatever you want. So he didn't annihilate these pagan rituals. That's how Halloween came about. The Catholic Church got it going. And so King Constantine said, okay, we're not going to get rid of these pagan rituals. You like to celebrate 
certain gods on certain days well you know what maybe maybe so we for the sake of peace let's amalgamate some of our pagan rituals with Christianity and let's associate the resurrection of Jesus Christ with eggs I come from a Greek Orthodox background you know every Easter time we'd go to my mother's house or my family's house and what we would do maybe some of you know maybe some of you if there's anybody from the Eastern European we would break eggs does anybody know this custom? Anybody here know about this custom? You have that custom? You have that custom too, don't you? Your, your family background, the breaking of eggs? Yeah? Yeah? No? Yeah, you stopped it, but your culture I'm talking about, the culture, yeah. But this is, my Greek, this was the cellar. My uncle used to bring eggs to the house as we celebrate Easter. And we would color the eggs, red, blue. Anybody with me? You know? Hey John, you know what I'm talking about. And so, this all stemmed from this false female deity that was introduced by Nimrod's wife later on by Tammuz when they worshipped him and then adopted by the Greeks and the Romans. You see these commercials with eggs and bunny rabbits. That all stems from what I'm talking about. Oh, it sounds innocent and chocolates, but it all has its origin right here. And so what we see here is a city and a culture and a mindset, a system that is completely alienated from God. And this morning, we're going to look at some reasons why God judged Babylon. Why did God judge Babylon? I'm going to give you four R's. I'm going to see the reasons, the reality, the reaction, and the response of the people. Notice, first of all, number one, the reasons for the collapse of this Babylonian system led by the Antichrist and the first reason I'll give you some eyes underneath reason is the iniquity the iniquity of Babylon notice verse 2 and verse 5 of Revelation 18 a little bit of a teaching this morning but notice this and he cried mightily with a strong voicing Babylon has fallen it's become the habitation of devils and every foul spirit and cage unclean and hateful bird verse 5 for her sins verse 5 have reached unto heaven and God hath remembered her iniquities God's judging her because of her iniquity verse 1 tells us that John sees an angel which came from heaven and this angel is so powerful that he lights up the whole world and this of course is Jesus and he's giving this word and he's saying Babylon has fallen he's talking about the way people live it's a fallen city, religiously, politically, and now financially, economic collapse. And why am I preaching this? Because my friends, I believe about this recession we're hearing about. We're going to hear a lot more about this recession, and it's going to escalate and reach an apex during the tribulation period. Which tells me we're not so far away, are we? If you think gas prices are high, you think grocery produce is high and the list goes on and on yeah, you don't want to be around here during the tribulation period my friends things will never be the same again if you're thinking oh I can't wait to listen gas will never be a dollar again I don't believe 
I, it could, but I, don't, I do not believe that. I do not believe we're going to see cheap prices ever again like we used to. And you can be sure of that. How do I know that? Well, we'll find out. Notice it says it's fallen. The Greek word is episien, which means an instantaneous action. The prices have fallen quickly, suddenly. We see this after the prophecy. Verse 17, it happened in one hour, instantly. Destruction came. God judged them right away. It happened suddenly. It happened suddenly. Have we ever heard this or seen this before? Absolutely. In Daniel chapter 5, watch this now. In Daniel chapter 5, oh there's an incredible story here. Belshazzar, the grandson of Nebuchadnezzar. See it's all in Babylon. Babylon. Look what it says here. In chapter 5, notice verse 2, Belshazzar while he tasted the wine commanded to bring the golden and silver vessels which his father or grandfather Nebuchadnezzar taken out of the temple which was in Jerusalem that the king and the princes and wives and God, they drank there in the temple they're making fun and mocking the temple of God they're making fun of God and blaspheming God notice verse number 5 and in the same hour four fingers of man's hand wrote over against the candlestick upon the plaster of the wall of the king's palace and the king saw the part of the hand that wrote and the king's countenance was changed and it troubled him and he felt faint he couldn't even stand up and what happened later on in the chapter we find out Daniel interprets it and he says verse 23 thou hast lifted yourself against the Lord's heaven you have that Babylonian mindset that arrogance that you think you're some kind of God that you don't need God and God had now judged him in one hour he lifted up his eyes and look what he says here what are you doing God in whose thy breath is in all thy ways hast thou not glorified verse number 23 verse 24 then was part of the hand that sent from him this was written and this is the writing that was written many many tekel euphorizen this is interpreted in men God hath numbered thy kingdom and finished it tekel thou art weighed in balances thou art found wanting Perez the kingdom is divided and given to the Marids of the Persians and that happened right away verse 30 in that same night was Belshazzar the king of the Chaldeans slain the same hour you're mocking God that hour you came down we see the same context taking place in one hour one hour devastation took place notice here it's interesting Bible says in verse 17 it reached look look, look what it says back to back to as, as I mentioned it's a bit of a teaching back in Revelation 18 verse 7 notice it says that her verse 5 her sins have reached unto the heavens the interesting the word reached it has a, an incredible meaning in the Greek. It's kolisa. Kolisi. It's interesting because this word still a Greek, uh, 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 exists in the modern Greek. Huh. When I was in school, I remember living with my parents, my mom. I remember her saying, did you, did you stick it together? It still applies today. Kolisa means to stick together. But it also has a meaning of sticking several things together, being stuck one after. So several objects being stuck together. That's really what it means. And why is that significant? Because your sins, Babylon, have kolisi, which means they are being glued together one sin after another. 
That's what it means. How powerful is that? You have fallen Babylon. The Greek word is, your sins have reached heaven. Your sins are like glue. And they've stuck one sin after another. One after another. You have not repented. You have not turned around. And your sins have reached heaven. All your debaucheries and abominations. They've all come before my eyes. You thought you can get away with it. But be sure your sin will find you out. You won't hear that preaching today. Because today's preachers tell you, you don't really have sin. You just make mistakes. I'm telling you, the pastor who has the biggest church in North America has said that. Colisi, one after the other. Just like the Tower of Babel, just like you put those bricks together, one after another, one on top of another, so have your sins reached me, one after another. Verse 2 has become the habitation of devils, unclean birds. Did you notice this happens when Babylon first fell, but much more is happening here. This city is going to be a demonic place of activity. That's what it says here devils and demons in this area. Birds are emblems, not all the time, because we, eagle's a bird, but when the Bible speaks of birds, it's not always complimentary. Did not Jesus say in Mark chapter 4, verse 15, when the word has been sown, Satan comes immediately to pluck away, and he uses the birds that eat the seeds from the waste. Birds are a picture of the enemy coming to pluck away, to destroy, to pick. Like vultures. Ravens. An emblem of the demonic. Demons lodging, ready to attack. Like birds perched on a tree. The point is, this is a demonic controlled system. Led by the Antichrist. My friends, these are strong words. And that's the reality of what we live in today. Listen friends, if, look, I don't know how some of you feel, but we are dealing with serious issues that have nothing to do with the natural realm. Listen friends, we are so consumed with this natural realm. Let me tell you, we're not fighting against flesh and blood. Will you understand? We're not fighting against, there are principalities here. Demonic birds, if you will, perched on trees in high places, ready to attack. lodging but you'll be judged verse 24 tells us the judgment will come and so you'll be judged because of this colisi this this accumulation of sins that you've not repented of that you've mocked me that you thought you were invincible because you made yourself and you deified yourself as God and you've taken the spirit of the tower of Babel and you've taken the spirit of Belshazzar and you thought that you were invincible you'll be judged for your iniquity, my first eye. My second eye, notice the influence of her sins. Verse number three, the influence of her sins. We see the iniquity, 
Now watch the influence of her sins. Verse 3. For all nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of the fornication. The kings of the earth have committed fornication with you. And merchants of the earth have waxed rich through the abundance of her delight. You've become rich. You've been influenced by this mindset. Remember, this is not a literal city. It is a mindset. The spirit of Babylon has influenced you. You've been affected. You've been influenced. All nations. This is the apex of the life of a godless world. Many will fall into the trap. This, be sucked in this vortex into this system. That's what the devil tried to suck Jesus into his vortex. Jesus, if you bow down and worship me, I'll give you what? All the riches of the world. We're seeing this taking place today and right here in scripture. Materialism. We're talking about the Antichrist leading the religious world in Jerusalem. We're talking about the Antichrist leading the political world from Rome. But now we're talking about the Antichrist leading the material world through Babylon. The spirit of Babylon and her influence. The influence. Verse 3. So all these nations are being drunk with the wine of her fornication. This is not literal fornication. It's, it's having an amalgamation, an intercourse of, 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 of getting involved with these false teachings and the false mindsets of this world, having intercourse with secular humanism, having intercourse with human philosophies, having intercourse with the ways of man, and you're alienating yourself from God, getting involved with me, myself, and I, getting involved with the things of this world. When Jesus said the word was choked, you know why it was choked? Because you were too consumed with the cares of this world. How many Christians are being choked because they're too concerned about the cares of this world? Materialism and prosperity. How ironic. That's what we hear in some preachers today. That's what they want you to have. Because you're not of God if you don't have much. You're not living right if you're, if you're poor. If you've got very little thing, then you don't have God. God. God has hexed you and cursed you. What lies, what deceit. But they're being influenced by these lies. And all nations will fornicate. In other words, adopt this system and led by the Antichrist. So Babylon will be judged because of her influence. The influence of materialism is all around us today like never before. And you see what underlines all of these problems money, the God of this world the God of this world the God of this world, money, money money, materialism, success success, materialism money, success, materialism exactly how he wanted to trap Jesus, but Jesus didn't fall no need for God, because if I got money, if I got things if I got that, then I don't need God I become self-sustained I don't need God, I've got everything I need the devil will do whatever he can to get your eyes off God. And let me just tell you something else. Sometimes the blessings you might have in the physical realm are not really blessings from God. You might think they are, but they're not. How do I know? Because some of you have received these so-called blessings and you haven't prayed for the last year. You're no longer dependent upon God anymore. You now become dependent upon these things you have. 
And now you become consumed with these things. That's why I'm I'm concerned. That's why this prosperity doctrine is so popular. Because it appeals to man's greed and flesh. And this teaching says, God has blessed you with all this stuff and he might have. I'm not saying God doesn't bless. But you see, when you start talking like, well, of course God wants me to have a jet. In fact, I've got 50 jets. How do you expect me to go from one city to the next with all these heathens in these planes and these devils? I need a private jet so I can get there quicker and do my work. So I'm going to raise up $5 billion so I can get these jets. You think this is a joke? This is what is going on today. And it's not just in North America. Go, go, go look at some churches in Nigeria. They're even worse. They're even worse. Look, I, I told you, I'm not here for friends and I might have enemies today. But that's okay. Because if one or two of you can see what's going on, then I've done what I've got to do. And so, Babylon's going to fall because God's in control because of her iniquity, her influence, and it's influencing people all over the place. But number three, I want you to notice also because of her infidelity. Her infidelity, verse number seven. Her infidelity, verse number seven of chapter 18. Do we have that? Can't read my writing anymore. Can't Can't read this. Verse number seven. How much she hath glorified, watch this now, herself and live deli- don't you love that word live deliciously the time you heard that term, you live deliciously delicious what does it mean delicious my son-in-law likes to use that word delicious after he has a great meal it's the satisfying of the flesh that's what it speaks of when, when, you may not understand that in the English because delicious what that means is that when something is delicious it has appease the cravings of the flesh it's not a it's not it's not a a a wholesome word spiritually it's not used for that it might be delicious but the root meaning is it's it it has appeased or it has gratified your flesh that's what it means and it has a negative connotation that's what it means here in the bible you have lived deliciously so much torment and sorrow giver for she's safe in her heart i sit as a queen I'm not a widow. Look, I got, look what I got. I'm not a widow. Pope Innocent III, when Sisi came to see him, he looked at Francis of Assisi wearing rags. He says, look, look at the Vatican. Look how beautiful. Look at how much gold we have. You know, Francis, Francis, unlike Peter, unlike Peter, we will never say silver and gold have I not. Ah, but innocent, the man of God didn't realize, uh, I mean, Francis, the man of God didn't realize, yeah, he gave a, a great line after that. Oh, yes, Mr. Pope, yes, innocent, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but neither can you say, rise up and be healed in the name of Jesus. Her infidelity, her iniquity, Lawlessness, self-reliance, boasting in herself, ignoring God. She captured the pride and arrogance of the New Age movement today. 
Well, we are now gods. We determine our own destiny. We don't need God. New Agers say it's only a matter of time. We can control our genetic destiny. That's what cloning comes from. It's all evolution. It's all godless. This cloning, it's got no roots in God or Christianity. I can't tap into my divinity, Miss Jakes. What? New Age Christianity. That's what it is. You hear somebody tell you you're a god, run away. You tell somebody come and tells you, you know, you really have it within you. What do you think motivational preachers do, uh, speakers do? The rah, 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 you can do it. Come on, you ever see those Pentagon commercials that the guys on the treadmill or whatever they are, on the bicycle? You see those commercials, Penetron, what's it called? Pe Penitin? What? Peloton! You can do it. Come on, let's go. What do you think some of these preachers are? You can do it. You got it in you. I got nothing in me but sin. I need to repent of my sin. I need to get right with God. What, 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 what? My heart is desperately wicked, man. Might be a nice guy. And three of you say amen. But th that, that doesn't mean I've got it in me. What I got in me is a propensity to sin and do wrong. That's what I have in me. My works are what the Paul say, filthy rags. You don't hear these preachers talking about that. Boy, things are really really tough out there friends that's why I titled this message do, do you know what time it is do, you, do we not see what's do we, I, I can't believe what I'm hearing today what I'm seeing today it's, it's unconscionable it's incredible the Bible says she glorified herself man has taken the glory for himself I guess we're doing a great job eh Mr. Man boy you're doing a good job Mr. Man how powerful you are Number four, then she's being judged because of her inhumanity. Infidelity, her influence, her iniquity, but her inhumanity. Oh, Ruth, she's ruthless. This system is ugly. This system is barbaric. The barbarity of this system is unconscionable. I want, notice verses 12 to 13 of chapter 18. Revelation, my text. Notice 12 to 13, what's going on here. And the merchants of gold and silver and precious stones and perils, fine linen, purple silk, scarlet, fine wood, ivory, manner of vessels, continue. Verse 13, watch this. Most precious wood and of brass and iron and mar marble. Then I want you to notice later on, it says, it says here, that man, okay, I'll read it later, that man is going to be enslaved to this desire to obtain all of these, and that man will be considered to be worth absolutely nothing. Man will have no value, no value at all. Notice truly all these things that I'm going to talk about that in a few moments, but notice all these things I just mentioned here in verses 12 and 13, they're not things that we really need. It's all about greed and vanity. Greed and vanity. Greed and vanity. That's what this is about. Greed and vanity. Verse 13. Notice verse 13 of chapter 18. It says here, And cinnamon, 
That's what I want. And odors, and ointments, and frankincense, and wine, and oil, flour, wheat. Now these things we might need, but watch this now. Beasts, and sheep, and horses, and chariots, and slaves, and the souls of men. That's what I want to talk about. Inhumanity. Slaves, and the souls of men. Well, what's going on here? What does that really mean? Well, during this period of time, friends, all these things that you think you need, you don't really need, you're going to be enslaved to these things, to these material things, but what's going to happen is that the value of man will be worthless, that man will be slaves to man. Stay with me. Slaves and souls of men. These words are owned by its system. The word slave here is the word bodies. You're slave. You're being embodied by this mindset and you become a slave to it. The point is people are put last. They, they're regarded for, they don't care. They, they, they're, just, they're just animals. There's, there's no reality here. And it gets deplorable. It gets even worse. The, the value of a human soul has no value. And during this time, humanity will be little value it won't be worth much at all and during this time man will be nothing more than a commodity to sell and buy like the slave system of old that's what it means man is worth nothing humanity the souls of men are not important it's what I can get and if I have to run over you and step over you and kick you to get what I want, I'm going to do it. And so the reason why Jesus came to die on the cross has no purpose here. Because Jesus saw the value of man. He died for you and me because he loves us. Here we see the opposite. The value of a human being means nothing so murder will rise guess what abortion will rise because after all what is abortion they don't value life I've got the choice I I'm man. I'm sovereign man I worship man. I gotta take care of me I don't know well, what I'm not interested in in what you pro-lifers call life I'm not interested in that I don't care, I just care about what I want. And all of this, my friends, started when man decided to worship man rather than God. Now I'm going to tell you something. Oh, I'm telling you, I, look, I, I'm not here to, to, Romans chapter 1, oh my goodness. When man begins to worship its creation over its creator, all kinds of debauchery takes place. When man begins to kick God out of schools and begins to worship man and deify man, all kinds of sin, kolisa, all sins will accumulate one after the other. All manner of debauchery and barbarity will continue to rise. This is what happens in Romans chapter 1. Are you listening out there in Facebook land? For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against ungodliness and unrighteousness. Men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. You have the truth, but you're not holding on to it. Watch this now. Because that which was known of God is manifest in them, for God hath showed it to them. God has, re God has revealed himself to you, but you have rejected God. 
Stay with me. Stay with me. Watch this. Watch this. It gets even, for the invisible things of, uh, uh, from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power, Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because that, when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God. Neither were they thankful, but became vain in their imaginations and their foolish in darkness, professing themselves to be wise. They became fools and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into the image made like unto corruptible men and birds footed beasts, creepy things, wherefore God also gave them to uncleanliness through the lusts of their own hearts, dishonoring their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie, and worshipped and served the creature more than the creator, who blessed forever for this cause, for this cause, because they rejected God and began to worship the creation over the creator, God gave them up to the vile affections of their own, for even for their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature, against nature, against nature, against nature. It's not normal. It's not normal. It's not normal for a woman to have sex with a woman. It's not normal for a man to have sex with a man. It's against nature. I don't know who what's going on around here, but this 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 this, this thing that's happening today. I see a rise of this debauchery. I see a rise of these drag queens. A rise of this militant homosexual spirit that's polluting the church. And now some of these parts popular teachers are saying it's like God never has anything to say against homosexuality yes he does yes he does and likewise also the men leaving natural use of a woman for other men Because they did not like to retain God in their knowledge. And God gave them to reprobate minds. Now there's an evangelist that travels through the Methodist church called Penny Cost. She's a dry queen. We see more debaucheries today. Homosexuality in the church. Some of the great move, the movement of progressive Christianity today. Their main leaders are homosexual. Brandon Johnson, this guy named Adams. I can't believe what they're teaching. I can't believe I, 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 it's absolutely incomprehensible. I can't even, and yet I know some people that are following these teachings, following these mindsets, these lies, these lies that are birthed from Satan himself. Brandon Robert, I said over this pulpit, who, who believes that when Jesus called out Lazarus from the tomb, he called him out out of the closet, out of his homosexuality. Not going to do with his death and resurrection. Can you imagine that? He's calling Lazarus out of the closet. What? And now Brandon Adams, this other guy named Adams, another, another progressive teacher. You know what he said? He said this, and if you're listening, Adams, you need to repent. This is what he says. Are you ready for this? He says, well, you know, when Jesus said, it is harder for a camel to enter into, through an eye of an eel, it is hard, harder for a rich man to enter into heaven than for a camel to enter into the eye of a needle. It's, it's harder for a rich man to do that. In other words, a camel can't do it, and because a camel can't enter in through the eye of a needle, then it'll be harder for a rich man to be able to enter in. And so he uses the word rich man. You know what he says, Adams? He says, well, you see, Jesus didn't say anything against homosexuality. He said something against riches. So homosexuality must be okay. I have no words for that one. 
abortionists. You see, when we devalue, when we take God out of the equation, God as not the creator, and we don't worship him as creator, we begin to worship man. What I'm trying to make here, I got off track like I normally do, but what, what, what I want to say here is that, is that, watch that, is that you devalue human life. That's why pro-choice, they, they have no conscience. You know what they've said? Oh, this has killed me. We've discovered life, they said the scientists of today. Really, where? We've discovered bacteria in Mars. There's life. There's life in other planets, and we found life. Oh, really? Really? So what about that heartbeat inside the womb of a woman who's about to give birth, and you say that that's not life? The bacteria in Mars is life, but that, that, that. reprobate minds. This is what's going on today. Reprobate minds because they rejected God. And so, these are some of the reasons why God. I'm going to be a little long. I'm going to finish in about. 20 minutes, is that okay? 15 minutes, maybe if you're nice to me. <laughs> is that okay? Can you give me 15 minutes? Because I'm telling you, I got to get this out, all right? So we have the reasons for this judgment, but I want you to give you my next R, the reality. The reality of this. The reality. There's a report out. A couple have banned the doctor, a certain doctor, from announcing their baby's gender in the delivery room saying the baby will choose their own gender when they get older and this of course comes from a lesbian couple don't you dare call it male or it's going to choose its own when it gets older don't you give it a name and so these pronouns you know they this is the mindset and with the Babylonian mindset that's running rampant. Watch now the reality of the situation, verses 21 and 23. The reality of the situation, 21 and 23. What's going on here? The reality. Do you have it for me? I need you to be quick this morning. The reality. 18, 21, 23. Watch this. We got it. And, and a mighty angel took up a stone, like a great milestone, and cast it into the sea, saying... Thus with violence shall the great city Babylon be thrown down and shall be found no more at all. 22. And the voice of harpers and musicians and pipers and trumpeters shall be heard no more at all in thee. No craftsman of whatsoever craft be shall be found any more in thee. And the sound of a millstone shall be heard no more at all in thee. What's going on? The reality, the rea what's going on is no more. Notice no more is mentioned six times. Six times. Verse 20. This text speaks of music and parties and festivities. We just read what happened to Belshazzar as he defied the temple and they had to drink and be merry tomorrow and having all kinds of festivities and he was judged that morning. Let me tell you what the Bible is saying. Babylon, the party is over. That's what it's saying. No more music. No more revelry. 
No more dancing with the Babylonians, fornicating with the Egyptians. It's over. It's done. Judgment has come. Notice verse 23. Notice verse 23. And the light of the candle shall shine no more at all in thee, and the voice of the bridegroom and of the bride shall be heard no more at all in thee. What's going on here? The light will be over. No more light. I'm removing it. This is a picture of desolation. It's been judged. This city, this mindset has been judged. Notice verse 17. In one hour, just like with Belshazzar, in one hour, the Medes and the Persians came. In fact, the Bible is so specific, it even identifies them. Two nations, the Medes and the Persians came and destroyed Belshazzar. This is what's going to, in one hour. Friends, if it happened to Belshazzar, it's going to happen again. The Bible is real. The Bible is true. That's why preachers don't preach the Bible, some of them. Because, because they, 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 they're preaching falsehoods. Stick to the word! One hour, so great riches has come to naught. All your wealth, all your vanity, all your self-glorification, all your self-deifying, all that, all that's gonna go. No more. It's done. It's over. It's over in one hour. It's over. It's gonna be done. It's gonna be done. One stroke of heaven's judgment. It's all over. A voice and a cacophony of sound. It's it's all over. This is the fulfillment of Isaiah chapter 61, where Jesus Jesus is prophesied of, of the Messiah, where Jesus will come back as the Lion of Judah, where the vengeance of the Lord will be executed. When Jesus came the first time, he didn't come to bring the vengeance of the Lord. He came to bring the acceptable year of the Lord as a Lamb of God. But when he comes back again in the fight, the Battle of Armageddon, Revelation 16, he's coming back as the lion of Judah to execute judgment upon the earth lion the first time Jesus came was a lamb but he's coming as a lion I'll tell you something you don't want to mess with this lion this is not my, my big brother he's not the big man upstairs all these horrible words depicting who God is. He's the big man. He, he's <laughs> irreverent things. He's the big man upstairs. <laughs> he, he, he's, he's oh, that's going to go. One stroke of heaven's judgment. This is the greatest judgment since Noah and the flood terrible, 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 it's going to be over, we see the reasons, we see the reality, it's going to happen, the reasons, we see the sin, the iniquity, the infidelity, but number three, the third R, notice the reactions of this judgment, I'll give you three M's, the monarchs, the merchants, and the mariners, the monarchs, the merchants, that entail, the whole compasses, everything about man, the monarch, the merchants, the mariners, everything, everything that takes place on earth, with these three M's, monarchs, merchants, and mariners, from the big, to the small, from the small to the big. All of life will be affected. The monarchs, verses 9 to 10. The merchants, verse 11. And the mariners, verse 17. The monarchs will all mourn. That's the reaction. They're all going to mourn. All those who rule, who think they're invincible, they're going to mourn. They thought they had the power. They thought they were gods. All these political giants. Who 
think they got the answer. They're going to mourn. Then the merchants shall mourn. Verse 12 to 16. People won't buy their merchandise anymore. In one moment, everything will be erased. There'll be economic collapse and bankruptcy. And I'm smelling it. I'm seeing it even now as I speak. I'm telling you, I can hear the hoofbeats. I can hear the economic disaster will take place. Think we've got problems with interest rates right now? Oh my goodness. Get ready. Well, I, pl- I don't plan to be here, by the way, folks. I trust you don't plan to be here. I pl- I, I, you got a ticket and reservation in the rapture. I hope you do. Because once the rapture takes place, all hell is going to break loose. My God. The merchants shall mourn. They won't be able to buy their merchandise anymore in one moment. It's going to come the world that says get all you can all you can all you get it all now get it all eat drink and be merry let's just all do it now this is what happens if this this is in one hour it's going to come to an end that's why Jesus said why 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 are you putting your roots here on earth where moth and rust corrupts your treasures on earth better put your treasures and, 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 and put them up in, in the banks of heaven where moth and rust. In other words, what Jesus is saying is, you see, your works and how you live is treasure. It's a different type of currency. Our currency that Jesus speaks of is not necessarily with, 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 with metals. The currency is the way you live. That's the currency. How you live is what brings this treasure. And your treasure and how you live, if you're focused on the things of this world, your currency is man-made. But if you're focusing on the things above, your currency is eternal. What we see here are people that are just focus on the things of the world this Babylonian system that ignores God it's coming to an end and finally look at this the mariners will mourn verses 17 to 19 every shipmaster who trades by the sea what's going on as merchants come in in their ships and as they come to trade their goods they'll see the port is on and fire will be everywhere they'll enter the system what's placed before them lives everything will collapse verse 19 global collapse verse 19 global collapse why because of what's going on on earth notice verse 20 and 21 Notice verse 20 and 21. And they cast dust. And they rejo- so go back to verse 19. And they cast dust on their heads. And they cried. They wept. There's wailing. What's going on? Alas, the great city. You see, it's not a physical city. Because it's the whole world. It can't be just bad. It's not, it's not a local place. It's a mindset. It's the way people live. It's the Babylonian system that alienates God from everything you do it's coming down this great city's coming down which made me rich which all these prosperity teachers yeah they're coming down they had ships in the sea by reason of their their costless for one hour one hour it's all gonna come to an end suddenly God is a God of the suddenlies my friend we see that in scripture suddenly suddenly it's gonna come down everything's gonna collapse but notice verse number 20 says rejoice over her what? Rejoice, O heaven, ye holy prophets, apostles, prophets, for God hath avenged you on her. Wow. In the midst of this hell, God says, rejoice. Who? 
apostles, prophets, and saints. Why? Because it's this system that said, take the mark of the beast. It's this system that's corrupted all the people. It's this system that you came up and some of you that died in the tribulation period because you didn't take the mark of the beast that we see in Revelation 6. How long, Lord? How long will we go through? Well, God has answered. God has re- yeah, It's people like that who've come out of the tribulation, who've come out of the antichrist, who've come out of that barbarity. They've come out and, they, and they, you can rejoice now. You see, there's the paradox. Here's the devil that's promised them all this victory, peace, and prosperity and, and, and now there we but those that were, were trusting in God that were suffering now they're rejoicing oh don't you see the ways of the cross the ways of God are so different for the way up is down and the way down is up you see this is what happened here we see the very opposite going on in heaven and what's going on on earth there's weeping but in heaven there's rejoicing there's rejoicing there's rejoicing because you believe God there's rejoicing because you trusted in God there's rejoicing because you took a stand there's rejoicing you didn't take the mark of the beast you didn't succumb to peer pressure you didn't succumb to peer pressure you didn't succumb to you didn't believe the lies and deceit of the enemy you didn't believe the lies of the antichrist vindication vindication had come and lastly the response verse 4 the judgment of Babylon the response the response who are his people those who have come to Christ notice verse number 4 watch this watch this watch this watch and the four and twenty elders the four beasts fell down and worshipped God sat on the throne sorry verse 4 excuse me and I heard another voice from heaven saying come out watch this now verse 4 come out of her my people that ye be not partakers of her sins did you see that come out my people that ye be not partakers of her what see 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 I keep talking about this because I, I my responsibility the pastor's responsibility I'll tell you what it is my solemn responsibility and any, not me is to warn God's people of falsehood and to feed his sheep that's what I'm called to do those are the two things I'm not called to tell you what color the carpet's got to be I'm not called to, 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 to come and, and, and do something because you've got a common cold that's part of it but I'm not called for that I'm called to warn and I'm called to feed. And when you have a church that doesn't deal with what's really going on and promotes man and defies man, you're in the wrong place. Partakers of her sins and that ye receive not her plagues. So God's saying because you stood firm you're not going to experience what they've experienced. Some teachings we hear today, they don't want to talk about the justice of God. They don't want to talk about God as allowing you to go through certain things because of your sin. They, they want to stay away from that. They said, you know, pastor, this teaching is past now. We don't talk about this anymore. We don't want to offend people. God is not a God like that. He's a God of love. And so they justify everything they do by saying that God's a God of love. I'm so tired of hearing some preaching, oh, God's a God of love. I know he's a God of love. Is that all you want to talk about? Good. 
I want to talk about his love too. And I do. But if I only talk about his love and I don't talk about his justice, I do you an injustice. What do you think we see here? Partakers of, come out from among them. What did Paul say? Come out from among them. Separate yourselves. We don't hear that today. That's okay. You want to be gay? Be gay. God loves you. You want to have, you living with, that's okay. You got to, it's just a mistake. You'll be fine. God loves you. That's what you hear. Ra, ra, ra. Man is great. You're good. God loves you. It's okay. You can continue to do whatever you, God, you ever hear? God accepts you as you are. Yeah, I know he does. Thank God. But he doesn't accept me to be there. He wants me to grow. He wants me to deal with things. You don't hear that. Because you don't have that problem. One preacher says, because you have that all in you already. It's just taking time for it to come out. What nonsense. I got to close. Come out! We're called the ecclesia, the called out ones. And my friends, we're called to separate. And believe me, a can of paint can never cover a rotten foundation. You've got to come out. That can of paint's not going to make it any better. It might look good, but it doesn't change you. Come out! Separate yourselves. Repent. We need this. And so this means that we need we need to come to God and we need to have him touch our hearts change our lives because we're called a peculiar people we are to stand apart and make a difference in this world not to be part of the problem we're called to make a difference by being a light the light cannot shine if the light is still in darkness no wonder there's so much confusion we don't know what to believe anymore my God I have a few more things to say but I won't touch and so my friends, can I ask you, what time is it, please? Is there, anybody know what time it is? Does anybody know what time it is? I, I can tell you what time. I'll, I know it's 12, 13, but I'm not talking about that time. The church needs to rise up and have the spirit of the children of Issachar who had discernment of the generation in which they live in. They knew what was going on. Do you know what's going on, Mr. Facebook? Mr. YouTube out there? Do you know what time it is? Do we not see the gravity of the hour in which we live in? Did not Jesus say in the last days false prophets will rise, deceive many? We see the signs of earthquakes and famines and pestilence and deception rising like never unprecedented. Listen, I'm not preaching this just not because I'm going to fight. I've been preaching this all my life. All my ministerial life. From day one I had this burden. What time is it? He's coming. Oh man, he's coming. He's coming. He's... I've never said it with more 
emphasis, more passion than right now. He's coming. And he that hath this hope purifies himself. I got to close. I got to close. Jesus said, be careful. When you see these signs, look up. Be careful. Be careful. You'll see an onslaught. Does not the Bible say in 2 Thessalonians that before the Antichrist comes on the scene, there'll be a great falling away? Did not Jesus say before that I'll see an increase in false messiahs and false, there's a false Jewish messiah right now as we speak called Shalom Yuidi. He thinks he's some kind of, because he memorized the Talmud, because he's done some posed miracles, that they're calling him the, ne- the, the true messiah. What a bunch of lies and deceit. We're seeing false messiahs, false cults rising day after day. Watch this now. Watch this. Are you ready for this? Look, ready for this? Listen to me got to close but in New York City even as we speak there's a church a church that is there it has Thanksgiving services that are well known throughout the city and it's very well known very well known by all groups of people its building is still under construction it's always under construction but and you can see it even today and during their Thanksgiving services they have different religious leaders that come, different political leaders, they've got Muslims in this church, Buddhists, Shinto priests, Shinto priests giving their discourse, their, their homilies in this church, called St. John of the Divine. You go to New York, go see that church, St. John of the Divine. There they are, in this church, there's a female Christ in this church. I'm not kidding you. A female Christ on the cross with bosoms. I I almost can't even say it. I'm so appalled. Female Christ! Remember the female deities that Nimrod's wife introduced? It got into this church. What do you think Jesus, when Jesus in Revelation was talking about the church of what? Pergamos? The spirit of Jezebel. Because she introduced these female deities to Israel. The spirit of Jezebel. Female Christ mocking God. St. John the Divine, my friend, has ceased to be a building dedicated to the glory of God. That's what it says. Building dedicated to the glory of God. There's many gods in this building. Under the altar, my friends, there are seven stone chambers. This is true. Seven stone chambers dedicated to two painters, a sculptor, a poet, and a high wire performer. (laughs) It's inconceivable to me. The priest of the church, it's Episcopalian church, Dorian James, he said, well, you know, he was being interviewed. We don't want to exclude other religions. We don't want to be too dogmatic. We want to, you know, be friendly to everyone. Yeah, I understand that. My friend, all of this is a plot to seduce the world into a false religion. A one world religion, a one world government. Truly, friends, it can't be much longer. It can't be. I've got so many things I can tell you, but I no time. My point is this. 
Are you ready for his coming? In my daily devotion study, I said this. I gave two W's. That God warns us to woo us. God warns us to woo us. Woo us what? Into living lives that are pleasing to him. And that's why I did what I did earlier. Lives of repentance, purity. For without holiness, my friend, you will not see God. I don't care if you're a pastor, priest, or prophet. You will not see God. I will not see God. And I know this message isn't popular. Obviously. Just look at us. Look how empty the pews are. I know. I know that. Nobody wants to hear this. There was a time it would bother me. It doesn't bother me now. Because the path to righteousness is a, a narrow path. It's not, it's not a wide path. It's very narrow. Not many are going to walk that path because it's, it's not popular. It's not pleasing. It's, so they'll never be the mass. They'll, they'll never be the majority. How many are willing to walk that path this morning? Can we all stand together, please?